Hi there. My name isn't important, and I live in Whopperton, Michigan. It's a little town on the coast of the Upper Peninsula, and it is a place I am not worthy to live in. My dad owns a candle shop near the center of town, and lately our business has been a massive failure. He blames the lack of tourism, which makes sense because nobody seems to want to come to Whopperton. I guess that this is because the word hasn't gotten out in Whopperton, or maybe because nobody wants to go to a place where a 14-year-old terrorizes everyone with his freakish powers. For some reason, I have created a podcast to show all that Whopperton has to offer. So, please, let me take you around my town. Stop. That song is too happy. Play a different version. That's better. It's week eight, and if you're hearing this, it means for some reason you decided to come to listen to this show. A quick update on me. My life sucks. My parents extended my banishment from the candle shop to last for a month, and I haven't done much but stay inside where I belong, withering away with nothing to comfort me except for a stale, half-eaten hot tuna fish sandwich that I've named Carl. Carl isn't much for talking, but he occasionally likes to give some biting commentary. That was a half-eaten tuna fish sandwich joke that I don't blame you for not laughing at. Last week, Officer Cranston announced that hard evidence had been found against Captain Bird and that he would be taken to trial in a month. It's the first criminal trial that Whopperton's had in decades, which Carl says is exciting, but when I told him my friend was the one being prosecuted, he called me fat. Just some of that, uh, famous biting Carl commentary. My parents made me write an apology note to the Pierces, but when I went to deliver it, their butler Jameson was the only one there to take it, and I knew he planned to steal it. It really doesn't make sense considering it has no monetary value, but I think he just has a stealing problem. The town seems to have taken a page from my book and stopped searching for Todd, declaring it a closed case, which again Carl is excited about. I wanted to tell him that stopping the search for Todd isn't exciting, but I knew he'd just call me fat again so I kept quiet. That's all the interesting things that have happened so far, and otherwise I've just been in my room with the lights off pretending to make candles out of various multiple objects. However. I do feel that at this point I owe it to you to give you the content you come here for and to show you how great Whopperton is. Captain Bird is in jail for suspicion of murdering a boy my age and the only person that seems to want to talk to me. Let's talk to him. Hello, Captain Bird. Tyler, you look terrible. Thank you for agreeing to do this interview. Well, I'm always happy to talk with you, Tyler. Tell me, Captain. What in your opinion makes Whopperton so special? Well, to be honest, Tyler... I'd rather talk about your investigation. Any closer to finding Todd? I could use some good news right about now. The investigation's off. I'm just here to show the listeners the many different sides of our wonderful town. You're giving up? Well then, I guess I get to keep my fishing pole. Do you have any favorite places to visit while in Whopperton? And I guess you have to put an old fish in Don's air conditioner, too. What would you say is the best meal you can get in Whopperton? Huh. You're off in a bad way, aren't you? Would you say City Center is the best shopping experience you've ever had? All right, Tyler. It looks like you need a pep talk. Listen up. The old ladies here love to knit. It's what they do all day, and they like to force me to come into their circles for conversation. And let me tell you, a knitting circle is the last place this adventurous soul wants to spend his days. After a few good weeks of sitting in in that circle, refusing to say a word, 
I finally lost it and took up a ball of yarn and some needles and tried to make a scarf. I don't know why I did it. Probably because I had nothing else to do. But Tyler, I put everything I had into that scarf. All the anger of being wrongfully accused. All the sludge of the town yelling at me while I watched the center. All the resentment of Dan beating me over and over again because I couldn't let go of that damn sturgeon. I put everything I had into that scarf because it was all I had in this place. And you know what, Tyler? It sucked. It was a terrible scarf. It was too thin, it barely had any length, the stitching kept falling apart, and it was a bigger mess than me. I poured everything I had into something those women made look so easy, and it just turned out... bad. Just another failure to add to every failure I've had to endure, and it made me angry, Tyler. Angrier than the morning sea under a red sky. It was the first time I realized just how bad my situation was, and I suddenly felt scared and alone. But at my lowest moment, one of the women, her name is Trisha, came and asked if I wanted help with my scarf. I figured things couldn't get any worse, so I said yes, and she started to teach me to knit. It wasn't easy. I went for a few weeks with no improvement, but it was all I had, so I kept at it. And soon the stitching got tighter, I figured out how to make it thicker, and the more I worked, the longer it got. Now, I'm certainly no pro, Tyler, but this is the same scarf I started many weeks ago, and I'm proud of it. The part I'm working on now isn't impressive, but look at the very beginning. This end is tiny, loose, messy, but the further you go, the better it gets. A testament that since I got up and kept trying, things got better. They aren't great, but they're getting there. All I have to do is keep trying. What's your favorite shop in City Center? Come on, Tyler. Give me something. I'm sorry. I get the point of your story, but I've tried so much and only made mistakes. I made a friend looking for Todd and ruined his family life a week later. I think I'm done trying. Hmm. You know, maybe what you need is a Trisha. A Trisha? The woman who helped me knit. You need someone to pull you out of your slump. And I think I know just who it should be. You already gave me the pep talk. I'm not talking about me, Tyler. I'm talking about Joe. Who's Joe? Oh, that's right. You kids call her the witch. You know the witch? I went to school with her, Tyler. She was a shy girl, but I always liked her. Reminds me of you. I I try and stay away from her. There's something strange about her. Well, you have nothing to fear. She's very nice. I don't know. Tell you what. If you go see Joe, I won't make you put a fish in Dan's air conditioning. I don't care if you decide to keep looking for Todd. I'll call it even and let you decide what to do. Okay. That a boy, Tyler. And remember to be safe. She can be a lot to handle. I'm standing outside of a staple of every American vacation destination. The Witch's House. Okay, I'm going to be honest with everyone, I'm terrified of the witch. Johnny bullied me into coming here when I was in fourth grade, and something was very off. If Captain Bird stands by her, then I'll do this, but if I die, I want anyone who hears this to put it on iTunes before I miss my upload schedule. Okay.
Taylor! I knew you'd be back. It's so good to see you. Hi. Come in, come in. I've been waiting a long time to see you again. Please, please sit. You've got a lot of calendars. Would you like one? I make them all the time. I have tons. I'm okay. No, please, please take one. So, what have you been getting up to since our last visit? Um, I've been... I've only been here once before. It was a long time ago and only for a minute. Yes? I'm surprised you remember me. <laughs> oh, I remember everything. Have the best memory in the world! <laughs> okay. Usually I read a person to know why they've come to me, but obviously I can't do that with you. Luckily, Captain Burt phoned ahead with all the details, bless his soul. So you need me to bring you out of your slump. That's what he wants. Ah, uh, I certainly can help you with that. It's just so exciting that it's you. Okay. Hmm. You're afraid of me, aren't you? What? Well, you're practically jumping out of your seat. Is it because you can't hear my secrets? What? Don't worry, that's completely natural. I have to go. Wait, Tyler, it's okay. Thank you for the calendar. Have a good day. You can read minds. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm the same way. You can hear people. Well, not the way you can, but we're in the same vein. Will you sit down? Dr. Ramis says the moment I think anyone knows, I have to leave as fast as possible. I won't tell him if you don't. Tell you what. If you sit down, I'll tell you everything about me, and that way you'll have collateral. I won't be able to say a thing about you without you saying a thing about me. There we go. Get comfortable, because this may be a while. Why can't I hear you? Hmm? Oh, that's because I have the gift, too. You can't use it on other people who have it. The gift has all sorts of rules, and they become more fluid with time. So, you want to know everything? Uh, I think so. Okay, this is so exciting. I haven't told this story in a very long time, so bear with me. The gift first came to me when I was a young girl. It was mid-autumn, and it was coloring day in kindergarten. I was wearing a little dress with the pattern of a picnic cloth, and I was at a table coloring the eyes of an owl yellow. My friend Amy was next to me, adding technicolor patterns to a picture of a dragonfly, and she started telling me a story about how her dad had taken her to the park the day before. She had barely finished her first sentence, when suddenly the owl was gone, and I was at the park. I mean, I was literally standing in Sawyer Pierce Memorial Park, in the center of town. I saw the orange leaves surrounding the accident-prone tree, and over by the swings, Amy was shouting for her dad to push her higher. I was standing in the memory Amy was sharing. Suddenly, I was whisked away to an office I had never seen before with polished oak walls and a large window looking out of the expanse of Lake Superior. Sitting behind a desk was a man in a suit ten times as nice as anything I had ever seen, and across from him was Amy's father. He looked upset, but before I could gather any more information, the scene changed again. And I was suddenly in a dining room. There was a much younger version of the well-dressed man sitting at one end of the room, and across from him was a man I'd only see in textbooks. Sawyer Pierce. The scene jumped again, and I found myself down in the mines as a miner broke into the cavern and a large gust of wind came rushing out. Then I stood on the shore of the Atlantic Ocean as a woman hugged her son goodbye. Then I was with the woman on her wedding day. Then with her husband and his first job. 
then with his boss at his first day of school, and so on and so forth with the scenes changing and changing as things grew older and more unfamiliar, all passing before my eyes. When finally I was back in the classroom again, but my teacher was holding my shoulders, looking terrified, and Amy was off in the corner with the rest of the children crying. And from that day forward, I've remembered every detail of my life. I don't think we have the same thing. I can see why you'd say that, but we both have the gift. It just works differently for everyone. You see, well, you can hear thoughts, I can see memories. It works differently for me now, but after that day in the first grade, whenever someone told me a story about themselves, I would suddenly be there seeing everything they said. It was never as powerful as the first time. I couldn't move in the memory, and the scenes didn't jump chaotically, but I could see things. Parts of the memory people didn't tell me. Were, were you able to control when it happened? No. Anything could set it off. I'm sure you can understand that. At first, I did everything to avoid my ability. School was easy enough. Just sit quietly and don't talk to anybody. The only problem I dealt with was Captain Bert. That rascal would tell a story to anyone, but I kept my distance. He says he liked you. He has a heart of gold, that one. I almost never hear secrets from him. The only time he's lied to me is when he got me a surprise birthday present. Is that why you like talking to him so much? He doesn't trigger your gift? Well, I guess that's part of it, but he's a really good friend. He's always there whenever I'm lonely. Hmm. Well, I'd be lying, Tyler, if I said this life of ours isn't lonely. I stayed in isolation for most of my young life until I had to get a job. I got an offer to work in the Pierce Mining Co. as a personal assistant of Theon Pierce, grandson of the famous Sawyer Pierce. We had gone to school together, and he was supposed to take over the company. But I had never talked to him much when we were younger, so I was confused why he requested I work for him. But work was work. Unfortunately, being the personal assistant to the new CEO means it was hard to avoid conversation, and my ability would whisk me away at every meeting, lunch, or private event. My brain felt like exploding with each forceful jerk that tore me into others' memories, but I still worked my hardest, and things were looking like they could work out, but then... Then Theon revealed why he chose me for the job. He proposed to me. He had this large diamond ring that he told me was made from the only diamond his grandfather had found in the mine. He told a whole story that I'm sure was supposed to be beautiful, but I couldn't be there to appreciate it, because I was whisked away in that memory of his grandfather giving him the ring. I realized then that I couldn't be with him. I couldn't be with anyone. It would be too painful. I couldn't imagine our wedding reception being ripped away from what was supposed to be the happiest day of my life every time someone stood up to give a toast. It was too much, so I rejected him. It's a lonely life, Tyler. If I could erase just one thing from my spotless memory, it would be that look on his face when I said no. I think of that face every day, and what could have been. It's a lonely life, Tyler. I'm so sorry. Thank you. I'm sorry to bring the mood down. I didn't mean to be a bummer. It's okay. 
We may not have the same gift, but I think I can relate. Did you come live by the woods to avoid people? <laughs> no, actually, it was the exact opposite. You see, after Theon, I thought I would have to hide away forever because of this terrible curse. But one day I decided this wasn't the life I was going to live. I thought that after 25 years of seeing my ability as a curse, it was time to see it as a gift. And I built this house at the edge of the woods. I painted a large sign that read, Madam Johanna, Psychic and Fortune Teller, and opened my doors for anyone who wandered just a bit too far outside of town. I used my ability to see people's memories and make them fake predictions about their futures. And strangely, the more I used the gift, the stronger it got. Soon I was able to walk around in memories, allowing me to tell people things they had forgotten. And after a few years, I was able to jump from memory to memory, just like the day Amy told me about her visit to the park. A few years after that, I didn't even need people to tell me their stories. Just one good look at the person and I could see any memory of theirs I wanted. Did you figure out how to control it? Well, no. As long as I was focusing, I could sit and talk with the person without being swept away. But the moment they told the story, I was gone. Still, the whole town wanted to see the girl who could tell them anything. But after jumping to the past day after day for so many years, my memory felt like a shattered mosaic. I started to become a bit scattered and people stopped coming. I took the sign off my house and became known to the town as the crazy witch in the woods. Once again, I was alone. But now my power was more dangerous. One moment of lost focus while I was looking at someone on the street, and I could be thrown into the past only to wake up hours later. I started making calendars so I wouldn't lose track of time. I'm sorry I always called you a witch. Hmm? Oh, well, that's no trouble. I'm used to it. It's a very nice calendar, by the way. Well, I've had plenty of time to master the craft. It's how I spent most of my days until one summer evening, years ago, when a young woman came to my house and stopped me in my tracks. I couldn't read her. I tried to see her memories, but nothing happened. And when we shook hands, she showed the same confusion. Her name was Samantha, and she told me that she thought she had otherworldly powers. For as long as she could remember every time she touched someone, she could feel their emotions. It would be like a shiver sent down her spine, and after the shiver went away, she felt the same way the person she had touched felt. She avoided using her power by simply not touching people, but then she fell in love. She found it hard to avoid touching then, and while some days it was a gift that allowed her to share the same joy as her partner, other days it was a curse that forced her to feel their anger. She came to the witch in the woods in hopes that I could free her from her curse, but instead I offered to hone it. I could train her just like I did myself, and maybe one day we could find some sort of control. She started to use her power more and more, and soon she was able to pick up on smaller, more nuanced feelings. She could dissect sadness into sorrow or disappointment, and joy into love or fulfillment. Soon she was able to adjust other people's emotions, making them slightly mad or happy with a single touch. We grew together, and for the first time in my life, I wasn't alone. I don't know a Samantha in this town. Well, a year after we had met, she told me that she left her girlfriend. She felt anger in her partner. Anger directed towards her, and she decided she couldn't be around those feelings. She told me she was leaving Whopperton. It was hard for me to hear that, but I like to think that I showed her some joy. A small bit of joy that she was living for herself. And perhaps I held a bit of gratitude for all that she had done for me. She took a train that next week, and I haven't heard from her since. I thought that would be it for me. That my journey was over and I would live in solitude as the lonely witch until my final days had come. But one night, I came to my door to scare off a group of kids daring each other to provoke the witch, and opened it to find you. Unfortunately, you ran away pretty quickly, but I did everything I could to find out more about you. 
Once again, my life had purpose, Tyler, and I've waited every day for your eventual return. I'm sorry it took so long to come back. I've never met someone I couldn't hear. It's okay, you're here now. I thought I was alone. I thought it was some freak. You aren't alone anymore. Why do we have this? Where does it come from? Unfortunately, I don't know. I think back to the day in kindergarten a lot, and I can't figure out why it started then. But I have one strange memory. What is it? It's a cave. A big, empty cavern underground where you can't see any light. But you know it's big because your voice echoes for miles. That's unsettling. It certainly is. Even if you don't know where it is, thank you. I've waited my entire life for these answers. Well, don't think we are done here yet. I still have to help you get back on that water sun case. I don't think that's going to happen. I've made a lot of mistakes, and I think I'm okay with giving up the search. Tyler, I used my gift to trick people into giving me money. Samantha barely used hers at all. In all my time here, you're the only one I've seen trying to use this gift as a gift, to use it to help someone. I've done bad things. I ruined James' relationship with his dad. Tyler, life with the gift can be lonely, but you've made more friends in a summer than I think I've had my entire life. You cared about Captain Burt so much that you've risked your secret being found out to free him from jail, and you are the only one still searching for Todd Watterson. James would have to tell his dad what he wanted sooner or later. Well, it doesn't matter. I followed all my leads, and they all lead to a dead end. Well, you saw Todd in the woods, right? Yes. Then why don't you go check out the woods? Huh. That would make a lot of sense. Every great detective gets blinded by their own hunch. I don't think that's true, but if I can still find Todd, then Captain Burt will be free. That's the spirit, Tyler. But you can't go alone. Why not? If one boy can get lost in those woods, then another can as well. Captain Burt told you to be careful, and I'm going to have to agree with him. You need someone out there to be by your side in case something goes wrong. You're still only a kid. I think I know just the person. Thank you for everything, Joe. I've never felt better in my life. One more thing, Tyler. I want to make you an offer. Once you solve the big case and everything dies down again, why don't you come back and I train you, just like I did Samantha? You don't have to answer right now, just think about it. I, I will. Thank you. Anything for you, Tyler. Thank you, Madam Joanna, for showing me that I'm not alone. Turns out all I needed to get out of my slump was to go to the one place that scared me the most. Now with a reinvigorated drive to solve the mystery and also show off Whopperton's viability as a tourist destination, I can journey into the woods and bring Todd home. However, Captain Burton and Joe are right. If I'm going to the woods, I'm going to need help. That's why I'm standing outside of 473 Cedar Avenue, the home of the perfect candidate. Tyler? Hi, Johnny. I need you to come protect me while I search for Todd in the woods. Get lost. Well, I've got a whole week to change his mind. Tune in next week as I assemble my rescue team. Do you think Tyler will actually be able to get Johnny to join him? Uh, I mean, it's not like I care or anything, it just seems like it'd be hard. Anyway, The Witch was played by Brody Costello. Brody has an album on all music platforms called No Logical Reason, and a recently released single, Let You Be. Her music is incredible and very much worth a listen to. Tyler Bopp was played by Declan Brogan. Captain Burt was played by Jimmy Brown, and Johnny was played by Liam Mann. The three are all part of a comedy YouTube channel, Top Numbers, and a podcast about strange internet communities, The Buried Podcast. 
They have a fourth friend whose name is escaping me right now for some reason. My Tone is written, produced, and edited by Declan Brogan. Music by Emmett Hoosman. You can find more of Emmett's awesome music at emmetthoosman.com. Tell all your friends about My Tone so we can finally hang out with the cool kids. See you next week, and good night.